Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week, we've got not one, not two, but three new movies to tell you about. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. A fantastic new series is out on Amazon Prime Video this week. I'll tell you about The Underground Railroad, and I'll review a new movie on the same service called Wild Mountain Time. And I decided to revisit... Jeff's been on his Butlerverse kick lately, so... I decided to revisit the Keanu-verse to reacquaint myself with John Wick. But first, as mentioned, there is a new miniseries out on Amazon Prime Video this weekend from acclaimed director Barry Jenkins. It's The Underground Railroad. Girl in that bulletin is wanted for the murder of a child. Man lost my mom. Then me. Ain't no way he ever given up on finding me. There's anger in you. He'll fuel you, yes, but... What's the worst kind of fuel? The worst kind. Savagery man is capable of. When he believes his cause to be just. You came all this way on the railroad? Obviously, as you can tell from the title, The Underground Railroad is about exactly that, although not exactly as it was. The show is based on the 2016 novel from Colton Whitehead, who wrote the book as though there literally was a railroad underground taking runaway slaves from the Deep South to the northern states and Canada to safety. It's a bit of symbolic magical realism thrown into what is obviously a very serious and often dire traumatizing story. Specifically, it is the story of Cora Randall, a young slave woman who escapes her plantation with the help of her friend Caesar, only to find that the road to freedom is possibly as dangerous as the plantation. The difference, of course, is that the road to freedom does have hope and a light at the end of it, whereas life on the plantation does not. There is a key line from a station agent when she first boards the train in episode one. If you want to see what this nation is all about, just look outside as you speed through and you'll see the true face of America. I'm through three of the ten episodes and the true face is not good. While the slave owners who ran the plantations were obviously capital E evil. They are rich evil people who can afford to have slaves, while a lot of the people Cora encounters on her journeys are just as evil but cannot afford slaves. In other words, just because those people are not her master does not mean that they like her. Sadly, even the people who seem to be helping her may not be what they seem. Either they have some horrible dark secret they're keeping from her, or maybe they do intend well but are ignorant of what her reality is, or maybe they're just inept at trying to keep her safe. So, while being a slave was clearly awful, escaping the plantation does not mean everything is fixed. Besides being on the run and encountering these other not-great people, there's of course the intense emotional, physical, and psychological damage that's been done to Cora that will affect her the rest of her life. How does one deal with that afterwards, having never had the opportunity before to be a complete person? How does one love or let themselves be loved? The ramifications are almost endless and very real. And this show does an amazing job of showing all of these things. On the face of it, though, it is a simple story of a woman's journey from slavery, presumably to proper freedom at the end. But it's also so much more complex. It's fascinating and obviously more than a little heartbreaking. And of course, it is very difficult to watch at times. Director Barry Jenkins has to straddle the line of showing the brutality involved, but not making it so brutal that it's unwatchable. My eyes went very wide a couple of times in these first three episodes, but the camera also 
you know, cuts away either quickly or before something very gory gets unbearably gory. But sometimes your mind's eye sees something worse than is actually shown on the screen. The point being, the depiction of slavery and other atrocities is very effective, but the physical violence depicted is also relatively short. It's a couple of scenes per episode so far. It's not just a whole hour of watching people being physically tortured. Mostly, the show is core abounding from state to state. Different states have different laws regarding black people. None of them are very good. Some are worse than where she began in Georgia. All the while, she's being chased by a bounty hunter of sorts, played by Joel Edgerton. He's been hired by the plantation owner to find Cora and bring her back. And in fact, he's only ever had one other person get away from him that he could never catch, and that happened to be Cora's mother. So Edgerton's character has something extra invested in the chase. Cora is played by a young actress named Tuso Mumdeidu, whom I've never seen before. Uh, I'll be shocked, though, if we don't start seeing her in a lot of high-profile projects because she is phenomenal. She's a 29-year-old actor from South Africa. IMDb only lists uh, two projects for this being one of them, but I Googled her in a bunch of you know videos of her on an African equivalent of Entertainment Tonight showed up, so I think she's quite famous in other parts of the world. Most of the other actors are unknowns, although William Jackson Harper, who played Cheaty on The Good Place, will apparently show up at some point in the series. The realist star, I think, of course, is uh, Barry Jenkins, a director. He made the movie Moonlight, the Best Picture winner from 2016, and for my money, the best movie of the last 10 years. In 2018, he made a, mo a movie called If Beale Street Could Talk, which I think is a very underrated movie, in my opinion. Opinion. He and Greta Gerwig are the best uh, new directors to come around the last few years, so I'm all in on anything either of them makes from this point forward. His craftsmanship is impeccable. Lighting, color, depth of field, and focus, all of these things that Jenkins really does so well and so much better than most other directors, just breathing all sorts of life into the frame. And with a project like this, it's important. I mean, the simple fact of the very heavy subject matter is bound to make audiences a little uneasy, so the firm, steady hand of a master director can really help lower that uneasiness because we know we're in good hands. Nicholas Pratel does the music. He's providing another wonderful score. He does all Barry Jenkins stuff. It's very emotional, but it's not sentimental. And Brad Pitt's one of the producers, as, again, he always is with Barry Jenkins' projects. I only bring that up because it always throws me off a little bit. The credits, you know, have these names that you don't recognize, and then in the middle of a list of producers, the name Brad Pitt kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. Pretty sure that when Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out, I complained that Brad Pitt doesn't act enough anymore. But now I'm reminded that if he's spending his time, you know, making Barry Jenkins projects, that that's a pretty fair, a pretty fair trade-off. So, like I said, I'm through three of the seven episodes, uh, or three of the ten episodes. I got seven more to go. They're all just over an hour long so far. I can't wait to see the rest, and I highly recommend to everybody uh, the Underground Railroad out now on Amazon Prime Video. You know, it's funny last week. Just kind of take you behind the curtain a little bit here. Jeff and I had a conversation last week, and I apologize to Jeff because I, I almost derailed, so to speak, the entire recording of our show because I spent ten minutes fixated on trying to solve a mystery. Because I said to him, I had previously said, "Oh yeah, I read that book oh, right, when right. I was uh, in junior high," and then he says last week, "Hey, uh, how did you read that book in junior high if it didn't come out until like 2016?" So I say, what? So I searched for the Underground Railroad, the book, and sure enough, yeah, it came out in 2016, and I could not find this book. I thought I was losing my mind, because I know I read a book about the Underground Railroad when I was in seventh grade, I think it was. Finally figured out that it's actually called Underground to Canada. 
a historical novel for young readers by Barbara Smucker. And that was first published in Canada in 1977 and uh, partially based on a true story of the, you know, set in the U.S. and Canada leading up to the American Civil War and depicts the hard lives of slaves in the South and the people who helped them escape to Canada via the Underground Railroad. So uh, I kind of want to reread that book and I kind of want to watch this series after what you just said, Jeff. So thank you very much. You bet. Yeah, no, I, like I said, I highly recommend it, even though, you know, some of it is obviously pretty difficult to watch. Yeah. Uh, would you say difficult to watch, like, Handmaid's Tale difficult? Yep, I would say that's a pretty good comparison, actually, as far as, and it's maybe um, a fuzzy on my memory of some of the Handmaid's Tale. This might be a little bit more graphic at times. Oh, boy. Okay. All right, so go in be and be ready to uh, watch some tough stuff, but it sounds like it's quality stuff, especially with yes. Barry Jenkins at oh, the helm. Absolutely. All right, in a moment, we want to tell you about a handful of movies that are out this weekend on various platforms, and one that's out, but it's also out of reach, for us at least. We will explain next. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brad, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes. There's a big new movie to rent this weekend, starring Angelina Jolie, set in the world of forest fires. It's called Those Who Wish Me Dead. Why'd they put you in a fire tower? Well, I'm just lucky, I guess. I read the wind wrong. I should have gone to them. Then you've been dead too. That's our job. So Jolie plays a smoke jumper, still haunted by the three lives that she couldn't save from a fire. And then she meets a distraught boy in the woods. I want to see where the blood's coming from. It's not my blood. You in trouble? Anyone else in trouble? My dad said, if anything happened, I should find someone I can trust. Are you someone I can trust? Some bad guys with guns went after the kid's dad while dad was at the wheel and the kid was in the passenger seat kid got away and now the bad guys are trying to find the kid so to complicate things they start a fire in the forest and Jolie has to jump back into action this is directed by and partly written by Taylor Sheridan the man behind movies like Sicario Hell or High Water and Wind River he also created the hit show Yellowstone it co-stars Nicholas Holt Aidan Gillen Tyler Perry and John Bernthal to name a few looks pretty good What happens next? You're looking right in the eye. So just looking at Rotten Tomatoes, and just keep in mind, we record this show Thursdays, Thursday afternoon. So as of Thursday afternoon, 67% for those who wish me dead. This is playing in theaters where... 
theaters are available. So in Canada, for the most part, it'll be uh, I, maybe it's entirely. I don't know. Last time I checked, there are two or three movie theaters in Canada that were open, but uh, most of us have to rent this stuff premium video on demand, and it's a Warner Brothers movie, so usually they charge twenty five bucks. Great cast in this, and I love Taylor Sheridan's work, but I think I'm probably going to wait for this one just to, to be a streamer. Although I think I, if the movie theater was open, I would want to see this on the big screen, Jeff. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. Like the Taylor Sheridan of it all is always a highlight, and it sounds like a it sounds like a big screener to me, even just from listening to those clips. So, and yeah, the rental price is always eh, if it's you know like we always say if it's a family movie where you're splitting the cost across a few people, it's different. But yeah, I think I would wait on this one too. Yeah, and I mean the scenery does look beautiful. If the reviews were higher, I might rent this because it would look great on my TV, I'm sure, but. Uh, I'll just, I'll wait it out. I got enough stuff to watch. I also wanted to mention this because it's, this is the one that is out, but it's also out of reach. But first, if I were to tell you that Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson are starring in a new movie, would, yes! you, be- would you believe me if I said it was a Saw movie? Because that's what we've got. Spiral from the book of Saw. Hello, Detective Banks. Do you know where your officers are? Jigsaw? Wait, I thought the Jigsaw Killer was dead. He is. So this is now the ninth movie in the saw nematic universe. LOL. Uh, the Saw movies, in case you are unfamiliar, it's just basically torture porn uh, that came out year after year after year, right around Halloween. Low budget. People get... The killer puts people in these elaborate traps, and they have to get themselves out of the trap by hurting themselves. And if they don't choose to hurt themselves to save their own lives, then the trap kills them. So now we have this new movie where Rock plays a detective in charge of this new jigsaw killer investigation and Jackson plays his dad a decorated police veteran find him they get hours not days how can I catch this guy if there's nobody on the bus I can bus you can't do this alone whoever did this has another motive something personal when was the last time you saw your father Jigsaw copycat. It's going to go sideways fast. So I don't know how they got Rock and Jackson involved in this, but it's a Saw movie, so take their presence for what it's worth. It does look fun. All available units, officer down. That was just a diversion to get us out of the precinct. I need everyone on this case. He could be anyone. We're going to tear this city apart. So this opens in theaters in the U.S. this weekend. So I thought, okay, well, maybe I can just rent it. No, it's not going to be available for premium video on demand rental for three weeks by the looks of it. Because that's what Lionsgate has done with a couple of other, their other movies this year that they've released in theaters. They've uh, staggered it on the rental. I 
Don't know why, but yeah. So the, Chris Rock just being in a like playing a cop kind of threw me off, Jeff. Like, doesn't doesn't that seem weird to you? It does seem weird to me. This whole thing sort of seems weird to me. But Samuel L. Jackson, I mean, we we've seen from the MCU and the Star Wars, like he is a big fan of just being in movies that. He always says, I want to be in movies that I would like to go see in the theater. So he, he sometimes does like what seems like might be beneath an Oscar nominee kind of thing. So I don't, I guess I'm not totally surprised that he's in this, but I'm always a little bit surprised when he shows up and stuff like this. In a moment, I want to tell you about the third movie that's new this weekend. This one's coming on Netflix. And then Jeff's got a review of something that is on Prime. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Kind of unusual when we can tell you that there are three new movies out in a weekend, although one of them is out in the States, not available yet in Canada. That was that Saw movie, Spiral, from the Book of Saw. The other one was Those Who Wish Me Dead, new Angelina Jolie movie. You can rent that if you want uh, on premium video on demand. And on Netflix, Amy Adams stars in a new movie called The Woman in the Window. This is a safe place. I'm agoraphobic. I can't go outside. I've been slipping, getting into a really dark frame of mind. Adams plays a woman who never leaves her apartment. A couple moves in next door, played by Julianne Moore and Gary Oldman. Or so she thought. My neighbor Jane, she's been stabbed. Detective Little, NYPD. Where's Jane? Mr. Russell believes that you made a mistake. You have never met my wife. Ma'am, you all right? I know Jane. Jane's been in my house. I'm Jane Russell. I'm not crazy. I know what I saw. They're all hiding something. Turns out... She's actually, or he's actually married to Jennifer Jason Lee and Julianne Moore, who she thought was Jane. Was she just a figment of Adam's imagination? Or did she really witness a crime happening across the street? This movie is based on a book, by the way, and it also stars Anthony Mackie and Wyatt Russell. It's like Captain America and the U.S. agents again <laughs> from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, this was supposed to come out, by the way, in May of 2020 in theaters, 20th Century Fox, but it has since moved to Netflix. I think it looks pretty good. Amy Adams is one of the best, but no reviews posted yet as of Thursday on Rotten Tomatoes. So by the time you're listening to this, if you're listening to this on the radio, you should be able to look that up now. Uh, or if you're listening to this podcast over the weekend, uh, I think I might give this one a shot. I don't know. I'm still sort of waffling on that. It does sound interesting. I might actually give this one a shot if it's not too creepy looking, but it sounds like it might be a little bit creepy. Yeah, like the fact that this was going to be released in theaters in May tells me that the studio yeah. had confidence in this, right? Like to, to release this, because that's technically, like that was part of its summer movie schedule. Uh, and they wouldn't, they usually bury stuff like this in February or, uh, I don't know, like the end of August 
if they yeah. think it's it's just going to be sure. a dud. So it might be worth looking at. Actually, I think I just talked myself into watching it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been, Well, it's been so long since we've thought about movies in the traditional sense, like the, the time of year that it usually comes out. I and know. The fact that it's this, it's technically the summer movie season right now, and we're... We don't. Oh, yeah. We don't have them. So, yeah. So anyway. All right. Hey. Well, here's a. I'm going to tell you now about a movie that uh, it did sort of come out in theaters in the U.S. in November and December, but it only just came out on Amazon Prime Video this past week in Canada. So it's uh, the first chance any Canadians got to look at it. It's from writer director John Patrick Shanley, Emily Blunt, Jamie Dornan, John Hamm, and Christopher Walken all star in a movie called Wild Mountain Time. Anthony will never marry. If it comes to that, I'll freeze my eggs. You should freeze your whole body if you're waiting for that one. Will you call us ever had a dream since you were a child and you couldn't let it go. So you put this gate between us. Has your dream made you happy or miserable? You kissed him! It was he that kissed me! That's what's got him worked up! I don't understand you people. Why do you make everything so hard? just seem to accept these crazy things. I don't like a fight. Well, who does? Half of Ireland, just not me. Anthony, time is running out. Oh, what is love? Is it a quest? What are you doing? A madness. How many days do we have while the sun shines? It's not shining. I believe that it is. Will you call a Now I gotta say, Wild Mountain Time is getting bad reviews. It's a 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is easy to see why, but it also might be my favorite movie of the last year. It is utterly perplexing, and that is very fitting considering the source. John Patrick Shanley is mostly a playwright, and this movie, like most of his movies, is adapted from one of his plays. Now, in 1987, he wrote the movie Moonstruck and won an Oscar. He also wrote and directed the 2008 movie Doubt, starring Meryl Streep and Philip Seymour Hoffman. They all got nominated for Oscars for that. So, wow, pretty sweet. This guy is good. But wait, he also wrote The January Man and Joe Versus the Volcano, two very big bombs of the late 80s and early 90s. He followed that with some success writing the movie Alive and, weirdly enough, Congo. Congo, of course, is based on a Michael Crichton book, but Shanley never read the book. He just wrote the movie based on, well, who knows what, but it's a terrible movie. Then nothing really, at least not movie-wise, for 13 years until Doubt, and nothing since Doubt until now. So he's had the highest of highs and lowest of lows and nothing really in between. I find his career fascinating, mostly because I really love Joe versus the Volcano, which, you know, while it was a bomb at the time, has garnered this cult following. And that is shaping up to be the story with this movie, Wild Mountain Time. I've seen a lot of very passionate fan comments about it, while the reviews, like I said, have been mostly bad. The story is set in rural Ireland in the present day. It follows the lives of Rosemary, played by Emily Blunt, and Anthony, played by Jamie Dornan. He was uh, gray in the Fifty Shades of Grey movies. They live on neighboring farms. They've been friends since they were kids. Everyone in town, including Rosemary, believe that they would one day get married. But Dornan seems reluctant to be with anyone other than himself. He's growing into a crusty old Irishman, and there's a lot of talk about crusty old Irishmen and solitude and things like that. His dad is played by Christopher Walken, who wants his son to marry so badly, he's actually thinking about withholding his inheritance of the farm unless he does marry. And then John Hamm comes in. He plays a cousin from America who stands to 
possibly inherit the farm and maybe taking a shine to Rosemary as well. And they all talk a lot and they sound like characters in a play more than a movie, which is common for playwrights who write movies. I guess when you write a play, there has to be a lot of dialogue. So then when they write a movie, they just keep doing the same thing. That's sort of the setup, but the way it unfolds is actually kind of hard to pin down. Just when you think this movie is about one thing, it pivots to seemingly be about something else. And now sometimes that is done on purpose and for a reason, and we all clap at how clever it is. My beloved Coen brothers, for example, do stuff like that all the time. Frances McDormand's Marge Gunderson is the lead character in Fargo, but she doesn't show up until the 40-minute mark or something in that movie. Here, though, it's not about cleverness. It's really kind of just messy writing. At least that's how it's being perceived. Maybe on subsequent rewatches, it'll be more apparent as to the rhyme and reason. But it is a little jarring like that. And the other big knock against this movie seems to be the accents. I think people in Ireland would probably have a lot to say about it. It didn't bother me. I mean, although Christopher Walken's Irish accent comes and goes as Walken pleases, but I mean, it's Christopher Walken. So, you know, you expect something like that from him. He still has it, though. He he will make you cry just from sitting there and uh, reacting to things going on around him. And that's what grabbed me. The performances are really terrific. I found it all very charming and offbeat in an interesting way. I laughed out loud a few times. I teared up a few times. I just found it weirdly affecting. And that's pretty much what you want from a movie to feel something. There's also a reveal near the end that is so bonkers, I still don't really know what to think about it. I wish we could talk about it, but it's spoilery, possibly. It might actually not be spoilery. I don't really know. Uh, you'll know what I'm talking about when you see it. You'll probably rewind like I did just to make sure you heard right. Like I said, the movie's at 26% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the arguments against the movie are good. The unconventional storytelling, the accents, that sort of thing. But for me, the arguments four are stronger and I say give it a whirl and that's the good thing about a movie on Amazon Brett you can try it for 20 minutes if it's not up your alley just turn it off I'd say give it until the talent show at the bar if you're not interested in this movie after that scene then do turn it off because if that scene doesn't do it for you this is simply not your kind of movie but it is my kind of movie three and a half coach cushions out of five for wild mountain time available now on prime video that's an excellent cast yeah I love Emily Blunt, Christopher Walken is great, John Hamm is great, and Jamie Dornan, I'm glad to see he is getting some work, and I think he's actually, he's, I think he's I think this is the first time I've seen him. Really? Yeah. I think he's in a movie coming up with Anthony Mackie. Um, so Anthony Mackie's just in every second movie this year, is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah, I was syn <laughs> synchronic, and uh, I think, yeah, uh, oh, so this is a movie that came out Looks like last year, or maybe even 2019, but I believe it's making its debut on Netflix like next week or the week after mm. that. Uh, but anyway, uh, Jamie Dornan, I think, is a really good actor. The first place I saw him was on a show called The Fall, which is a, it was a British serial killer show. He was the bad guy, and Gillian yeah. Anderson was the cop who was hunting him, and it was one of the most unique shows I'd ever watched because it was very much cat and mouse, and you didn't know if you should be cheering for him or cheering against him. And uh, But he had that Fifty Shades of Grey black cloud hanging over him because <laughs> those movies were apparently just so terrible. So it's good to see that he hasn't been sort of... Uh, no, ruined his career, this, so to speak. And this seems to be like a hard swing in the opposite direction because I imagine his Fifty Shades of Grey guy was, you know kind of a down and dirty kind of guy. And obviously if he's a serial killer, that's a bad guy. And here he is unabashedly a very nice guy. So he's, he's got some range to him. 
All right. Well, thank you for that tip. I might add that to my list as well. Just listening to that clip, I thought that sounds very pleasant. And, and the scenery use... is extremely pleasant. It's just gorgeous to watch uh, the rural Irish countryside. It's very green. Oh, looks like, by the way, looks like Synchronic is out this weekend. <laughs> so if you want to watch the new that Jamie Dornan movie with Anthony Mackie, I guess I should have uh, previewed that as well. LOL Synchronic, also out this weekend. In a moment, I want to talk about a movie that came out, ooh, has it been seven years already? But uh, it was very nice to go back to the Continental. I'll explain. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. And The Couch Potatoes, we try to watch as much new stuff as we can so we can make some recommendations for you and tell you what's coming to the various platforms or coming to various channels on TV. But sometimes we just need to take a break and revisit something that we are familiar with it's like a comfort blanket. And when that Bob Odenkirk movie came out a few weeks back, Nobody, well, we said it was basically like John Wick, just maybe a bit more lighthearted. So that made me think, I think I need to go back to the Keanuverse and watch John Wick. I lost everything. That dog was a final gift from my dying wife. Where'd you get that car? What does it matter? It's not what you did, son. It's who you did it to. Nobody? But nobody. It's John Boy. This is one of those movies that I seem to enjoy more every single time I watch it. If you are unfamiliar with John Wick, as you heard, some bad dudes kill his dog. They broke into his house, steal his car, and kill his dog. And he goes on a rampage and kills everybody because, as it turns out, he's a retired hitman, and his bloodlust is insane. But what's the couple of cool things about this? One, no one saw this movie coming. I think when people saw Keanu Reeves was the star of this character we'd never heard of before, I think maybe... I, I certainly didn't blow it off, but I was kind of like, oh, whatever. Good for Keanu, I guess. We haven't seen him do anything in a while. And of course, that movie has now resurrected his career, partly because the action in this is filmed in a way that's a lot different than what we're used to from Hollywood, right? It's not 7,000 snap cuts in 60 seconds. They actually kind of hold the camera and let the scene play out. So you might see him shoot 12 guys in one camera shot. And he clearly trained very well for that. And then we later saw actual footage of him training at a shooting range. And it was nuts to see how seriously he takes it. And that first movie was just so simple. It was just a simple revenge tale, but it was so stylish and elegant. And it gave us a hint that there was a weird kind of underground hitman culture thing that they created, and I wanted to see more of that. So once I finished watching that first John Wick a couple weeks ago, I thought, I got to watch John Wick Chapter 2. So I watched John Wick Chapter 2. Uh, so I have John Wick on Blu-ray, but then I had to watch John Wick Chapter 2 on Netflix. And I remember when I first saw John Wick Chapter 2, uh, I liked it, but I didn't love it. And I think it's just because I was almost overwhelmed, whereas with 
John Wick left me wanting to learn more about their world. <laughs> I felt like in chapter two, it was just too much. Yeah. Like it was just it's a lot. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> like this to the, the, to imagine this, that there could be such this underground world of assassins just sort of struck me as bordering on foolish, but I enjoyed it way more this time around. And same thing for Parabellum chapter three. I actually fell asleep in the theater when I saw chapter three Parabellum, not because the movie was boring. I was just super tired. So I've had to rewatch that a couple of times. And the, the movies somehow have gotten more colorful and crazier as they go and more violent, but they are, there's no loss in quality. Halle Berry was a great addition in that third movie. So yeah, man, the John Wick movies, I love them. Can't wait for the fourth one, which is due next year. And I know you're all over the Wick movies too, because I think I saw John Wick first and then you saw it and you went and saw John Wick. Didn't you see chapter two twice in the same weekend? Uh, no, I saw one and two on the same weekend for the first time because okay. you'd gone on, you, you had said many times how good the first one was. And I was just like, ah, Brett, Brett just likes Keanu. I know that because <laughs> Brett always talks about Keanu because the matrix is your favorite movie. Yeah. So I was like, so I was sort of like, was taking, taking that with a grain of salt on your recommendation. And then, uh, I kept seeing the commercials for the second one. I was like, that really does look fun. And so I did, I sought out the first one and I watched it and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then it was like, oh, same weekend. I was like, all right, I'm off to the theater to see the second one. And so I went from zero to everything on John Wick in the span of like 24 hours. It was it was just the best weekend. Yeah. And that, and like you, I'm just counting down till the th fourth one now. So if you want to watch Chapter 3 Parabellum, by the way, that is on Prime. It dro drove me nuts that I had to go from one platform to another to watch. <laughs> and they keep they keep flipping back and forth. Like John Wick was on Prime and now it's on Netflix. I don't know. But uh, yeah, they're fun movies. If you've never seen them and you like action movies and you don't mind violence, highly recommended. And that's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you're listening on the radio. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.